This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, October 11th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I am here to help you become a better investor. We have a great show for you today, a lot to talk about. And as always, I try to focus on the big picture. You can get caught in the minutiae of different stocks different even asset classes but when you're looking at the big picture then you can understand exactly where we're headed in general and how each company each asset class fits into that path forward and that's what it's about it's not about the past it's about the future and you can study the past in order to get a good grasp of what the future might look like you're never going to know exactly. It's very difficult. You can't time the market. You, you know, you you can just simply put the odds in your favor. And that's what we are here to do is to take the data, assess it appropriately, ignore the headlines, ignore the narrative, and use that data in order to put the odds in your favor. That's what investing is about. I talk all the time. If you buy a stock when the price sales ratio is 15 or 20 times, the odds of that actually playing out to being a good investment long term is very, very, very low. Now, could it happen? Sure. But it's very low. So when you buy stocks at reasonable valuations with good businesses, that is putting the odds in your favor. So that's my job today is to give you that little extra tool, that way of thinking that can help you put the odds in your favor when you're putting your capital to work. So you're not making the bad mistakes and you are capitalizing on the opportunities and the opportunities don't always work out, but it can be an opportunity that puts the odds in your favor. I think of it like blackjack, right? If you get an 11 and the dealer is showing a six, the odds say you double down, right? You double down. Now, is that going to play out every single time? No. But you can, you can be comfortable in knowing that I had the odds in my favor. I pressed that bet and... Whatever the outcome is, the outcome is because that was a good decision. Now, you may get a six on that next card, might be a 17, and the dealer might turn over an ace or, 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 or you know, hit and uh, you know, get 20 or 21 and beat you. But most people are going to say, I'm going to do that every time because the odds say I'm going to win the majority of the time. The value there is positive. And so that's what we're trying to do is help you make positive value decisions. It's not about hitting the home runs. It's about 
singles and doubles and avoiding major catastrophe. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the market performance today. We're going to run down some show topics, but after, right after we first answer our first question. Hello guys. I wanted to know what you guys thought of Palantir P L T R for a long-term hold. And if now is a good time to start a small position in it. Thank you. All right. Look at Palantir and this is, this kind of lines up in one of those story stocks, right? It's focused on big data serves commercial and government clients. And this is all about that type of play. Now let's look at this price sales ratio 19 times. What did I just say? When you're over 10, that's extremely high. And this is at 19 times. Now I'll pay an above average multiple to sales because of a good business, but it's at egregious valuations. Free cash flow is positive. That's nice, but it's 375 million on an enterprise value of 35 billion. That's talking about a 1% free cash flow yield. What are treasuries, treasuries yielding? Five, five and a half percent. I, to me, this is a narrative stock. Now the technicals are fine. It has broken out in May. And it's an uptrend. So near term, I don't see any issues with it. But long term, I think it's still drastically overvalued. So I'm passing on Palantir. Now we have a lot of ground to cover in the next 45 minutes. And here's what I've planned, time permitting. Now my focus point looks at the story behind this headline. American consumers are taking their foot off the spending pedal. At least that's according to one former retail CEO. So we're going to look at what he says and how that jives with the data that we're seeing on the professional side. Also, higher for longer. Markets, in some ways, have been freaking out about that. And a lot of people look at this and they say mortgage rates at 7.5%. Look at this. The, the economy is going to hell in a handbasket because you have high interest rates. And if anyone's doing that, they're not paying attention to history. Because higher interest rates are usually correlated with higher growth. That's what the data says. And so I'm going to talk about why this is one of the best things to happen to the market in over a decade since ZERP, zero interest rate policy, post-financial crisis. And there's a very strong argument that ZERP was extremely detrimental to the economy as a whole, that it was a failed project in a magnificently grand way. So we're going to talk about that also. Muni funds, and more importantly, closed-end muni funds, and this kind of applies to a lot of closed-end bond funds in general, but munis were hit the most because they have low yields. That creates what we call convexity. Anything that has low yield meaning means that uh, it has long duration. means that a change in interest rates has a much larger impact than something that has a relatively higher yield. That's why, for example, high-yield bonds uh, tend to be less volatile 
in a rising rate environment than investment grade or, or munis because of the, that high bond yield. So muni bonds have been hit the most, but we're going to talk about closed end funds and why they have really taken it on the chin most of all. And then lastly, private equity. Private equity, going back to the ZERP discussion, private equity has been a was a big beneficiary of ZERP. But things are changing that industry. So we're going to look at the trends, deal trends, both deals of purchasing small businesses or just businesses in general, right, as well as exits. So entry deals and exit deals and the spread between the two, what does that mean for the broad industry and liquidity within that industry? So we're going to look at that. So a lot to cover today. I think all of these are great topics. I'm excited to discuss them with you. And our voice bank questions are ready to play as well. One is on selling a property. The other is TEX, Terex Corporation. And we have some iTunes review questions to answer as well. Now let's take a look at the market overall today. It was a modest up day if you're looking at the broad indices. The large caps were up 0.4%, mid caps up 0.43%, small caps lagged the most after a couple strong days in the markets. You had some big losers like ChargePoint. I've said this for a long time. The business of installing chargers outside the home for electric vehicles is one of the worst businesses I've ever seen. It's a terrible business. And they were down big today, but you had some other uh, big losers really across. It was really in the medical field. Most of all, Davida down 16% today. That is uh, I, from what I remember that is a, uh, it is a, Dialysis. There we go. It's a dialysis company. Uh, it's a company that Warren Buffett invested a long time ago. I think he's divested it, but there's been a lot of issues with medical, Medicare reimbursements, et cetera. Uh, but very interesting to see a lot of healthcare names down today. And I've said this for a while that healthcare is one of the most difficult places to invest in the market right now due to structural headwinds of, uh, you know, from the budget in the US as well as uh, patent cliffs for the drug companies there's so many headwinds for the for the healthcare industry and today was a big a big down day for for most of them so pretty interesting to see that but that was the market today we're heading into a break i welcome your finance and investment questions now so give us a call at 888-99 chart Justin Klein talks about the KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. I want to remind you that this is a time where you probably need some guidance and you're tuning in to try to get our view of the markets. And we only have an hour here. And, and sometimes the way I distill each day can be maybe not enough, maybe not enough time. And so our premium newsletter is a great tool for especially newer investors trying to learn some things. The KPP Financial Premium Newsletter comes to your mailbox every Saturday. Learn how to analyze the market, learn what the economic numbers mean, learn how to manage a portfolio, maybe get an idea of what are good companies to be at least looking at. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you should always have a watch list of companies that Hey, these are interesting. These have good businesses. And if they get the right price, maybe I should buy them. So our newsletter is a great tool for that. Subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. 
Every Invest Talk podcast is made better by your questions. So don't forget to call. And if you've never called, Justin and Steve are waiting now for your finance and investment questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Paolo from Gaithersburg calling. I have a question about Cotera Energy. I have the stock in my portfolio and uh, it's uh, quite a big chunk and I believe generally in uh, their business model, but uh, I've actually had a look on the technicals and uh, it's way above the 200 day moving average and uh, usually um, from what I gather uh, from your podcast, stocks come down to to that level sometimes and um, I wanted to ask uh, you guys what your opinion is on Kotera Energy right now. I don't have really much gain on it. I bought it uh, for their dividend and uh, I'd like to know like if I should reduce it for now and maybe put my money somewhere else in the energy market or should I just keep it? Always love to listen to it to it on the podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Are right, looking at Cotera Energy, CTRA, and this is a product of a merger between Cabot Oil and Gas and Simerex. And this was this is a name that has a large exposure to natural gas. About 74% of their production comes from natural gas, where a lot of other companies are kind of more split 50-50. This one's heavily natural gas. And it's a fairly large company, $21 billion market cap. It's a pure EMP name. And it is an uptrend. It's starting to break out, and natural gas is starting to break out as well as of late. And so these natural gas names are starting to do much better. So uh, I I have no problem with uh, Tara. I'm not uh, – I'm not – sure why you are too worried about the 200 day moving average it's it's now pointed up that's a positive all the major moving averages are pointed higher i like that it's into some resistance from the highs in september but no reason for me to to sell the name at the current time they have a good balance sheet with very little net debt on that balance sheet talking about a billion dollars on a $21 billion market cap. So next to nothing, really. Uh, $3.3 billion in free cash flow trailing 12 months, at which at the current enterprise value, you're talking about a 15% free cash flow yield. That's very strong uh, to me as well. Now that it's coming down a bit, but it's still near record highs. And shares outstanding are being uh, bought back as of late. So... Yeah, I would hold this name. Okay. This is that was Cotera Energy. C T R A is the symbol. All right, we're heading into our first major break, and Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love your live calls as well. Our number never changes and it never closes. So give Invest Talk a call at 888 chart. Everybody wants a secure financial future. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Joe in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about real estate. How are you doing, Joe? 
Hello, Justin. Um, love your show. Thank you. A uh, question about real estate. I have um, quite a bit of cash sitting in money market fund. Not running money market fund, a savings account, mm-hmm. earning about 5%. Mm-hmm. And looking to deploy that into buying real estate. Um, doesn't have to be Bay Area, but probably somewhere that I can have even cash flow or maybe a little bit less for the long term. I don't know what your view is for real estate in general for the the good markets. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to take it, get your view on it. Well, you're earning 5%. So at the bare minimum, you want a 5% yield on that, right? Wouldn't you yep. expect that? Why would you take the cash? I mean, I'm, I'm, and and I'm not earn a cap. Satisfied or, that, but I, but I don't see that as a staying, uh, a staying that high. I don't see that as a long term. Um, well, I agree with you strategy. there. I agree with you there. However, what I would say is, you're not going to have the same type of real growth rates in prices. When I say real, I mean net of inflation that you've had over the past 35, 40 years, right? Because we know mortgage rates aren't going from 20 where they were in the early 80s all the way to 3% again. It's not happening, right? You're not going to have a 1,700 basis point drop in mortgage rates, which was a massive tailwind to real estate prices, anything with leverage like real estate, okay? So that's number one. You're not going to get the price appreciation going forward that we've experienced over the last three, four decades, won't happen. Now, will real estate prices go up? Yes, but probably more along the lines of inflation. And in fact, if interest rates continue on an uptrend longer term, you're actually going to have likely negative real growth in the asset price uh, in real estate. Now, every market's a little different. I think the Bay Area is going to do probably worse than, say, a lot of areas in the South and the Midwest because of just migration patterns. But, and so what that means is that it's, everything's going to be local. So you have to, if you're going to invest in real estate, it should be an area that has good population growth longer term. And it's not about the price appreciation because we know that's at best, that's going to be mildly positive on a real basis. So it's going to be about income. And so what you said is I want to have flat to negative Return? Why would you do that? This isn't ZERP anymore. ZERP is gone. You can get 5%. Interest rates are likely going to stay elevated. We're not going back to 3% mortgages. You likely, very, it's very unlikely we'll ever see that again in our lifetime. And so, are there pockets of opportunity? Sure, maybe. But why, when you can go clip coupons at, High-grade corporates for 6% or 7%. And guess what? You don't No headaches. You're not a landlord. You're not a landlord. You don't have to deal with somebody calling late at night and overflowing the toilet or an AC going out or a flood happening. There's no, there's no overhead. So you need cap rates 
at minimum in the high single digits. You're talking seven and a half, eight percent or higher. Now that's not happening here in, the, in California. You may be able to find that in the Midwest or in the South, but it's that's still very few and far between. I'm looking, you know, I see in Florida, it's still around five. So I just don't see the opportunity. Now, if you see a, a much larger pullback in real estate prices, I think that's certainly possible. But in this environment, with real estate prices still elevated, I think we're a long ways off for real estate investments looking that attractive. And long term, I just don't see the environment that's going to be largely beneficial. Now, will there be times, you know, years where real estate prices have good real returns, meaning after inflation? Sure. But it's probably going to be when interest rates pull back. But if interest rates are now in a zigzag higher instead of a zigzag lower, it's not going to be a great time to be a real estate investor longer term in general. Certain pockets regionally, sure. But in general, don't have those tailwinds that we've had over the last 30 years. All right, in the next Invest Talk, we'll look into this story. Federal agencies have announced new efforts to crack down on billions of dollars in junk fees. Banning excessive fees in the business and banking sector is the immediate objective. And what impact will this have on the financial services sector more broadly? And your pocketbook. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com hacker one dot com justin klein is here and ready to take your calls live invest talk 888-99 chart now our main focus point looks in the story behind this headline american consumers are taking their foot off the spending pedal and this is according to former walmart U.S. CEO Bill Simon, and he sees that consumers are starting to buckle for the first time in a decade. Now, 
I see this a lot as and we're highlighting this mainly because this is making headlines and you're going to see these headlines, but this is one person's opinion. Now you obviously lists higher interest rates, federal budget deficit problem, uh, polarized politics and student loan repayments as headwinds along with increasing geopolitical tensions. And I think all that is certainly true, but the backdrop of this is always what are consumer balance sheets looking like? Well, they're looking pretty good. Why? Because they got a lot of money from COVID stimulus packages and they have fixed housing costs that with inflation going up and most people getting raises, including those with social security, getting a eight plus percent raise at the beginning of the year, it's making life a little easier. Real incomes, real disposable incomes are improving. Now, will this eventually break? Sure. It'll always break. There's always a recession on, on, on the horizon. But how much will the consumer really break when unemployment rates below 4%? Even if you use U6, it's still relatively low compared to history. I'm going to say U6, U6 unemployment rate, which is a broader measure of unemployment. And a lot of people look at this as, oh, oh, wait, oh, the, the consumer is going to break. Yeah, they could break, but how much will they break when they have jobs and they have decent balance sheets? That's the question. And that's why the consumer remains relatively resilient. Now, Amazon, Walmart, and Target both ha all have big sales events coming up. Walmart and Target are trying to compete with the Prime Deals Day that started on Tuesday. And their issue with that they're seeing is that they're having a hard time hitting bargain basement price points. And so what you're likely to see with these retailers is our percentage off. So instead of saying I can get a TV for hundred bucks or 200 bucks, it's 40% off, which sounds bigger and more impactful than these low price points, which are now unattainable. Now those TVs that maybe were bargain basement, eh, they're still now they're more like 250, 300 bucks. And that's a sign that these businesses are having a tough time bringing the prices down. So it's an interesting headline, but it doesn't bring a whole lot of context. It's looking through the lens of, let me repeat, a former Walmart CEO. So how much insight does he really have at the current time? Is this just someone spewing their viewpoint without a whole lot of data behind it? That's what it looks like to me. And that's why we're highlighting this because I'm giving you data points that matter. Less about opinions. All right, this is Invest Talk. Now with more than 56.2 million downloads since it all began, let's get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for another caller question. Hi, Invest Talk. I was hoping you guys could do a 
review on Terex Corporation, there's T-E-X, like the sector that it's in, and the fundamentals look good. Part is um, what I wanted you guys to definitely take a look at. It looks like it's come down over the past three months. And I just want to see when you think a good opportunity might be to, to um, take a position on this stock. And if you could just give me that answer on the podcast, that would be much appreciated. Thanks. I'll listen in. All right. Terex has pulled back from its high in mid-July, right around $65 per share. It had a low just last week around 51 and change. Now we're at 55 in change. And this is a company that makes capital equipment for construction, infrastructure, mining, and the shipping and transportation industries. So when there is a lot of building going on, a lot of infrastructure happening, whether and, and what, that's why I say building, it could be infrastructure, it could be uh, apartment buildings, it could be new homes, could be anything. There's roads that are, are, are being created, repaved, etc. Terex is the type that's going to benefit from that. And in this environment where you see CapEx for manufacturing facilities up nearly 80% year over year, obviously, there's demand. And that's why earnings have gone from $3 per share in 2021 to $4.32 last year to $7.15 expected this year. So based on those forward-looking numbers, you're talking about an eight multiple, trading at 55. I think it's pretty cheap. Now, the, the issue with this is always it is fairly cyclical. It's just how it is. But when government is spending money to build infrastructure, build manufacturing facilities, they're incentivizing this through the RA as well as the, uh, the IRA, RA, IRA, Inflation Reduction Act, as well as the CHIPS Act, they're going to benefit. So this, to me, is a pullback that I would buy. So I like this. Terex, T-E-X, is the symbol. Good business, very profitable, good cash flow. And wait for it, a good balance sheet. Only about $400 million in net debt on a $3.7 billion market cap. Very low leverage, good cash flow, good business, good profitability at 37% return on equity right now. So I'll give you Terex a thumbs up. All right, now let's keep things moving and play two in a row from the Investock Voice Bank at 888-99-CHART. Hello, I own a duplex in Tracy, California, and I was just wondering if it would be a good time to sell it or wait until a later date when the interest rates uh, come down. The reason I was thinking of selling it was uh, because the market is high. I was thinking about baking the profit and just letting it sit until house prices come down. I'd like your info on it if you have any views. Thank you. Again, my name is Mark from Tracy, California. Thank you. All right, well, this goes back to what I just spoke about, that the Bay Area, this is Tra Tracy, California, is in the Bay Area, and it's certainly going to have a, a tougher time than it has over the past couple of decades with the growth of Silicon Valley, et cetera, and more people moving out for cheaper places to live. The Bay Area has been one of the worst housing markets in the country so far over the last, call it 18 to 24 months. 
And I think that will longer term generally kind of continue. There'll be some mean reversion. Now, eventually they'll find some equilibrium where it makes sense, uh, et cetera. But I think that's many years away. So is it a good time to sell? I'd say yes. Now, will it be harder to sell it a duplex than your traditional single family? Probably because you're look, getting more investors looking at duplexes and that doesn't pencil out as well. So I'm not sure what type of price you might get, but it is a, 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 still a good time to sell. I do think prices will come down over time, but it's not going to be a huge crash. And in fact, it may be coming down and correcting in time as opposed to price, meaning having negative real returns over a long period of time and suddenly the fundamentals kind of write themselves. And that happens a lot as well. That's an underappreciated way that asset prices mean revert or get back to a reasonable valuation is that you have, you have an inflationary environment, prices around it go up, but its prices stay relatively the same. And that's actually what I expect kind of generally to happen with home prices nationwide. Now, the barrier would probably pockets of a little bit more weakness, but that's generally how, to, how I'm thinking about where real estate prices are going. This isn't 08. We're not going to have a crash. We're more likely to have correction of prices in time, meaning negative real returns on the price of real estate over an extended period of time. And that is how you have some sort of mean reversion within that market. All right. Let's talk a bit about why higher rates for longer are a good thing. For nearly 14 years, the Fed kept rates near zero, ZERP. And what did we have? We had low growth. You had increased market concentration of the big players. You had relatively low productivity. And worst of all, you had huge wealth inequality. And so it's no wonder you have populist movements, both domestically and abroad. Right, Trump brought a populist element to the Republican Party, which wasn't there before. There's even parts of the Democratic Party, you know, the progressives that have that as well. And that's partly because we have such wide wealth inequality. Now, these higher interest rates, it'll be painful for parts of the, 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 the economy as a whole. No doubt. But ultimately, higher interest rates are going to lead to better productivity and a more resilient economy and a fairer economy. And if you actually look at what economists have studied when it comes to the impact of low interest rates, they can't find a strong correlation between low interest rates and economic growth. Meaning, what's the point of financial repression, that's what ZERP is, when it doesn't create good economic growth. In fact, many studies suggest that higher rates are associated with higher levels of economic growth. Look at 1982 to 1990, an era of very strong growth. Interest rates were 
still high single digits. Annual GDP during that time period, as well as 91 to 2001, was 4%. And that's as interest rates are going, coming down, but they were still relatively elevated. They're still you know, 6, 7, 8 plus percent. During the ZERP times, 2%. So you had lower interest rates, worse wealth inequality, and lower growth in the economy. And why is that? Well, when money is cheap, money is free, it makes the economy less efficient. When money actually costs something, you have to think about it. There's more capital discipline. And so when money is free, there's a lot of money flowing into unproductive assets. Think of crypto and meme stocks. And then you have zombie companies that are propped up with low interest rates. And what does that do? It means that there's it's unproductive levels of economic activity. And research shows that large company companies disproportionately benefit from these lower interest rates. Why? Because they have the most access to this low cost of capital. It means they consolidate power and create increasing market dominance. And that means they they engage in in financial engineering more than actually trying to innovate and be competitive and become agile. They're the opposite of that. They're old, they're stodgy, they're boring. They're just doing financial engineering. So while right now the FTC is focusing a lot on antitrust, the consolidation within these industries has a lot more to do with low borrowing costs. And so low borrowing costs also improve asset prices, which is good, but only t- about 10% of the richest people in America own 86% of equities. And if you own a home, it's benefited you. But if you don't own a home, you are increasingly priced out of the market. So free money contributes to a lot of financial instability, encourages over leverage. Think of the private equity industry, which has ballooned to nearly $21 trillion in assets, all because of ZERP. It's just an industry that focuses primarily on financial engineering, which creates more leverage within within the system, especially the non-bank system, and creates more problems than it solves. So, In aggregate here, what I'm trying to say is you should be so happy that mortgage rates are 7%, that borrowing costs are now something because it's going to make the economy more efficient, more productive, and fairer for everybody. Well, maybe not everybody, but the 90% that don't own the majority of the assets. And it's good for the country and the world long-term to have capital allocated more effectively, more efficiently. So you shouldn't be negative about higher rates. You should be positive. You should be happy this is happening. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another. Oh, we're heading into our final break right now. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. 
most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. I would like to keep my name anonymous for this question specifically, but I am from the East Coast. I wanted to talk about stock ticker ITA. It's an aerospace and defense index fund. There's obviously a terrible war that's happening with the Israeli Hamas situation. I do feel you know, a little at odds asking if this ETF would benefit, but um, I just wanted to know if this would be a good short-term trade or something like that. Thank you very much. I'm looking for the show. Bye. Well, clearly it's benefited. It's up over the past few days pretty nicely from about $100 per share, now to about 110 So it's rallied about 10% on the Israel-Hamas, uh, Israel-Palestine uh, war that continues to kind of escalate. And if you are a believer that it will escalate, that we are increasingly going to go into more armed combat uh, combat around the world, then obviously this will do better. I'm still in the mind that this is more of, uh, besides the Israel situation, more broadly, there's an economic war that's going on and a maybe even a cyber war more than a, a hot war. And... That's why I don't love this exposure. Not only is you know, do you really want to benefit from from more? I guess you can. It's everyone's morality is different, but if you want to, that's fine. But another issue I have with this is the top two holdings, Boeing and Raytheon. That's thirty three percent of this fund. Seventeen percent of Boeing is Boeing and Raytheon sixteen percent. So. What you have here are two companies, Boeing, that's been poorly run for many decades, has a lot of leverage, got a nice bailout during the COVID crisis. And then Raytheon, whose chart looks terrible. It's rallied recently, but it's in a clear, clear downtrend. And if you look at the trend of earnings, it's kind of all over the place. It's actually negative. 2018. Pre-pandemic, is earning $7.61 this year. So it's only earned $5. So it's a company that's broadly shrinking. So I'm in the mind that, and I, I think it's, I think the China-Taiwan issue is pretty overblown. I don't think China's going to kamikaze themselves into uh a war that will take down their entire economy. I don't think that'll happen. So while there will be increasing crises around the world, I think that's certainly true. Will it be an all-out war? Probably not. And there's budget deficits that I think will eventually put pressure on defense budgets here in America. So overall, yeah, not a huge fan of this ITA. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Closed-end funds, especially the muni funds, and in particular, they were they were particularly hard hit during this rise in interest rates. Why? Because many of them have a lot of leverage in order to pay 
the yield. And this is a perfect example of why you don't chase yield. Know where that's coming from and know that leverage kills. It cuts both ways. And what's happening here is that short-term borrowing to create that leverage is becoming more expensive while the value and the yield of those older, the value of the older uh, bonds are going down and the yields are very, very low. And so now you have that inverted yield curve situation where the cost to borrow is now higher than a lot of the, what the bonds are paying on, on these closed end fund balance sheets. And what makes it even worse for these funds is that remember closed end funds, they raise capital. There's a bucket of money and they go buy assets. And then it's traded in the open market. It's not like a mutual fund that would be what is called open-ended. Then they can't raise more capital in order to plug balance sheet holes. They have to sell assets and oftentimes at bargain basement prices. And what that means is if there is a recovery within this space, you're not going to get back to the old highs. So a lot of people might look at the chart and say, oh, it used to be trading at X. No, they sold off a lot of assets in order to deleverage their balance sheet to get in line with compliance within the industry. And so what looks like great tax-free yield on a monthly basis has turned into a nightmare for these, bond, these closed-end fund holders. And so the moral here is be careful what you own. own understand why you own it and whether or not its yield can be sustained in all types of markets. All right, I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Now, be sure to check out the new Invest Talk Classroom series, episode 10, which is about index construction. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.